The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. If you could, please take your Bibles and uh, turn in them to two places. The Gospel of Luke will be uh, the first reading, Luke chapter 2, 1,590 in the Bible in front of you. And then... um, Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12. In fact, next year, maybe note for your family, if you're going to read uh, the gospel story on Christmas Eve, on Luke chapter 2, combine it with uh, Revelations chapter 12. We'll talk about that uh, in a few moments. Also, in your bulletin, on the uh, outline, is uh, the three stanzas of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And during our time together, we'll weave each of those stanzas uh, along, you know, together with the message of the scriptures. So Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy... That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, if you uh, spend some time in the scriptures in the Old and the New Testament, specifically looking for this grouping of angels, the multitudes uh, singing to one another, you'll find three places. And uh, the first you would find would be in Isaiah chapter 6. And there would be a theme to each of these songs. In Isaiah chapter 6, the theme would be holy. The one you hear in Luke chapter 2 is uh, glory. And then at the end of the scriptures in Revelation chapter uh, 5, the theme would be worthy. Now each of those songs then call for a response. An appropriate response and maybe uh, we can... Um, reflect what that response be with the posture of our body. So in Isaiah chapter 6, if you know the context, um, it's in the year that King Uzziah died, and Isaiah's in this temple, and he sees the glory of the Lord, and these seraphs, these seraphim, appear. And they have six wings, and with two they cover their face, and with two they cover their feet, And with two, they're flying, and they're singing this song. And maybe you know it by by the hymn. You know what the song is? Holy, 
Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the temple shakes. And what is the response that Isaiah has? What is the posture? He falls to his face and he says, Woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. And I live among unclean lips, a people of unclean lips. And he says he's ruined. So when you hear these angels singing holy, what is the only appropriate response that you on earth should have to it? Well, you break the heart. It's repentance. I have sinned. I live among a people of unclean lips. You bow the head. Break the heart and bow the head. Now, that's the image you have of the angels coming to you. Then it somewhat makes uh, sense that when these angels appear in the Christmas, Christmas narratives to Mary and to Joseph, and to the shepherds, what is their immediate response? They're afraid. But in this case, in Luke chapter 2, there's a different song that is sung with a different response. In Luke chapter 2, the song is glory. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And so the woe is me of Isaiah... And the forgiveness of sins that came to Isaiah with that burning coal from the altar now is declared to the shepherds and says, peace on earth. But what's the response to the glory melody? Well, you bend the knee. You bend the knee just as the shepherds go and bend the knee and the magi go and bend the knee. The third song in the very last book of the Bible is Revelation And it is the throng that is gathered around the throne. And they say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory and power. What is that response? If holy, you you bend and your heart is broken. You bow the head and glory is, this is the king and you bow before him. Well, worthy is... The invitation, bring the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifices for sin are done. Christ Jesus did die, and when he died, the temple curtain was torn in two. No more sacrifices. But there is a sacrifice of praise that is to be brought. And so that's the third song. The angels inviting us to come with, you know, the archangels, the angels, the, all the company of heaven singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So we get to sing these angel songs. And uh, the Christmas song is Hark the Herald Angels Sing by Charles Wesley. And there's three verses there. We'll weave each of these verses together with, with the scriptures. So the first verse you'll find this phrase. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? God and sinners are reconciled. God and sinners are reconciled. This is what the angels are declaring. Glory to God in the highest. So these angels who brought this fear and awe and righteousness of God and his holiness now are declaring that right before them is the promise. The promise of Messiah. Bend the knee before this king. They sing glory to God in the highest. And on peace on earth to whom uh, his glory is given, on whom his favor rests. Now, there's a backstory here. 
So when you hear these angels singing to the shepherds and you come on Christmas Eve and you sing these songs, you know, you almost have the sense of it's, it is a silent night, right? It is a holy night. But the backstory to this is that in the heavenlies, there may be peace on earth, but there is war in heaven over this. Peace on earth, but war in heaven. So turn to Revelation chapter 12, and this is why if you read this story on Christmas Eve, you'll, you'll see the, the rest of the story. The peace on earth, goodwill towards men is, is happening to us, but around us. In the heavenlies, there was war in heaven. Revelations chapter 12. Now, in your bulletin, uh, I put some of these figures. Um, there are these uh, strange uh, images. There is a woman, um, and I give you the definitions here so when you read it, you'll understand the reference. But the woman is Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, also known as the church, the mother of the faithful. The red dragon in Revelation 12 is going to be the, the devil or Satan and his fallen angels, and they're opposed by this archangel Michael. Uh, the woman's son and the male child is Jesus himself, the promised Messiah, and the woman's offspring are the faithful brothers and sisters of Jesus, uh, the Christian. So in Revelation chapter 12, begin to see um, what is occurring in the heavenly realms with the, the incarnation of Jesus and his life among us and his death and his crucifixion. Revelation chapter 12, it begins this way. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed, clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant and cried out in pain and she was about to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept the third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth said he might devour her child the moment it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. This woman gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. The scepter is the word uh, from his mouth, the gospel message. There is war in the heavenlies. Verse 7 says, There was war in heaven. And Michael, the archangel, it says there, Michael, the archangel, fought against the dragon, which we know then as the devil, and his angels, but these angels were not strong enough and they fell from their place in heaven. And this great dragon, this ancient serpent called the devil, uh, also known as Satan, which means accuser, it's a courtroom word. He's hurled down, hurled down to the earth. And when he's hurled down to the earth, the vision says in verse 10, 10 Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Why? Why? For the accuser. You could insert Satan. That's what it means. The accuser 
of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down and they overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and all you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you, and he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. War in heaven. Angels thrown down. Rejoicing. Because the accuser does not stand before God anymore. God and sinners are reconciled. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, by their confession of their faith. But this angel, this evil angel, Satan, now is cast down to the earth. And he prowls around. And verse 17 gives us the outcome of it. It says, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And so there is war in heaven so that there may be peace on earth. But the devil goes down. He's filled with fury. You know what his tactic is? Jesus describes him this way, two things. He is a liar and he is a murderer. A liar and a murderer. And he wants to work death. Two types of death. Death physically, but then as Revelation speaks of it, a second death, which is eternal death. Now we as Christians have no fear of this first death, do we? Paul says, for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. But it's the second death, the one where an individual is not reconciled to God through faith. Suffering then eternal separation second death. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He twists God's word so that this life does not occur. This eternal life. This faith in Christ. He wants the second death. He really can't do anything about the first death. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. But he goes after the second death. So the angels sing, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled. So the good news is that There's really no peace with the devil, but there is no war. There is no war with us, with God anymore, is there? We who are enemies, who are hostile to him, the lamb was slain, overcome the accuser by the blood of this lamb and the word of his testimony. We are reconciled to God, peace with God. But there is war. You experience it. The liar and the murderer will come after you and with your family. No peace with the devil, but no war with God. So we're going to need help then if this devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. So verse stanza two of the hymn. What does God do? Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. And we will hear about how this Jesus takes on human flesh and becomes our brother. Now, there's a big phrase in this stanza. And maybe you can uh, share that with your children, what it means, or they can share that with their friends. This phrase, incarnate deity. Incarnate. I mean, it's, a, it's not a word you hear often. 
especially not in the workplace. But if you think about it, if, if, if an animal is a carnivore, what do they eat? They eat flesh, right? Carnivore. So the word means flesh. Incarnate means, incarnate deity means God takes on human flesh. John 1 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now that is extremely wonderful news of great joy. Because who then is in the midst of us? Not just the sense that God is with us, but God in the flesh. And so let me ask you, does this God then in the flesh know what it's like to be fully human? Does he know what it's like to be tired? Does he know what it's like to be tempted? Does he know what it's like to go to the weddings? Does he know what it's like to stand at the graveside and weep? Does he know what it's like to be betrayed and to be slandered? Does he know what it's like to suffer? And does he know the most human of all things, which is death? And the answer should be, in Jesus, yes to all of those. What a God this is. Far different than the gods that the Old Testament people would worship. Psalm 115 says, their idols are silver and gold, and they're made by the hands of men. And they have these things, you know, they have these mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear, and noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, and nor can they utter a sound with their throats, and those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. What is your God like? Well, he can stretch out his hand like a little baby, and they can stretch out his hand like a grown man, and take the nails pierced in his side. He can speak to you words. He can cry your tears, have sighs and groans. Experience death just like you and I will. But on the third day, he rises. And he rises how? In the flesh, bodily. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see this incarnate deity. So in Jesus, now we have a brother. A brother. Not only do you speak to God as Father, but you have Jesus beside you as brother. And the Holy Spirit, who is the counselor beside you, and in your prayers you have Jesus here, and the Holy Spirit here, lifting you up, bringing you before the Heavenly Father. This is what it speaks of in in Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 11 through 14 says, But the one who makes men holy, which is Jesus... And those who are made holy, that's us. He is not ashamed to call them brothers. We're of the same family. The same family. He declares in this great assembly, Psalm 22 says, you know, it declares to them that he is the brother. He sings these praises. Now you go a couple verses down, verse 14 and following. says, since the children have flesh and blood, what did he do? He too shared in their humanity. Shared in their humanity. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God, that he might do something. He might make atonement 
It's a big Old Testament word, the day of atonement. The sins of the people are placed on the sacrifice. Sins of us are placed on Jesus, the Lamb of God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted without sin, tempted yet without sin. He is able to help us who are being tempted. The evil one comes and he lies. and He's a murderer, distorts God's word, tempts us. Jesus, our brother, is beside us. Now, there's a wonderful Christmas narrative that brings, us, uh, these, brings to us two words. It's Matthew chapter 1. Pleased as men with us to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. You know the narrative where those two words are put together? Well, it's in Matthew chapter 1. Poor Joseph. He is pledged to be married to Uh, this young girl, this virgin named Mary, and she informs him that she is pregnant. But she says it's conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, does he believe her? If you read the story in Matthew chapter 1, he has in mind to divorce her. An angel comes to him and says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, what she told you was true. Call him Jesus. You know what the word means? The Lord saves. And it says, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had said, which is, he will also be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus. Emmanuel. While the enemy prowls around while there is We are reconciled to God in heaven and there is war on earth. Jesus, our brother, is with us. He saves, never leaves us, never forsakes us. Third stanza. Mild he lays his glory by. Mild he lays his glory by. Now, this is the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ in the creed. Could we... uh, Go to the side screens, please, with, with that. Mild he lays his glory by. This is the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ. Can you find that slide, please, uh, A couple more. There you go. Mild he lays his glory by. You have this, let's talk about it this way. The descending of the creed and the ascending of the creed. You know the creed? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. Mild he lays his Glory by. The humiliation of Jesus is when he takes on human flesh, he lays aside the full use of all of his divine attributes. So he does get tired. He does suffer. He is tempted. He does weep. And he does die. 
He lays it by. But you go up the creed, and it's interesting, you go up on a word that goes down, right? Descended into hell, we're going up. Which is now when he fully uses all of his divine attributes, rules, and reigns with force. Descends into hell to declare victory over sin and death and the devil. Third day he rises again, ascends into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father, and from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. So this Jesus mildly laying his glory by is about a conception. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit, takes on human flesh, born of this Mary, suffers under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. Why? Remember, he's our brother. And what do we need? Well, we too are conceived, aren't we? But what does the scripture say we are conceived in? Conceived in sin. Because we're conceived in sin, we're pregnant with evil. And when we're pregnant with evil, what do we give birth to? Death. Here's the verses. Psalm 51. David says these words. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's each one of us. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now that conception is we're pregnant then with all types of evil. The psalmist speaks of it this way. He who is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to delusionment. James says it this way. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed and after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Jesus is conceived, he is born, he suffers and he dies. We are conceived in sin. We're pregnant with evil. We give birth to death. Our brother comes to our aid. What does the third stanza say? Born that we no more may die. Born to raise each child of earth. Born to give us second birth. So remember we said there were two deaths, right? There's a physical death. Then there's a second death, which is eternal death. But if we have faith in Christ Jesus, what's the good news? The good news is that none of us in faith, have to fear the second death. If you're only born one time, the saying says, if you're only born once, how many times do you die? Twice. You're only born once, you have a a birthday, a day on the calendar where you came into this world, only born one time, but you're not born again, you will have a day of death, but you also have a second death. But if you're born twice... You have a physical birth, and you have a spiritual birth, which is being born of water and the Spirit, then there's only one death. And who knows, the Lord may choose to reappear yet today. And would you welcome that? Absolutely. But if he doesn't reappear today, and he tarries till tomorrow, and maybe your life, the Lord decides to bring to himself, to receive you into his presence, no need to fear with Christ born twice only die once the gospel then in a nutshell really you can put it this way in Luke chapter 2 the angel says it this way today to you 
a what? A savior. Today to you a savior. So this isn't, you know, the wrong question is, is when were you saved? Like back in the day. You should ask the question. It's a present tense question. Do you believe right now at this moment that God has given to you a savior? Martin Luther was fond of saying, you know, that verse John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. He says, I, I'm just so pleased that God didn't make this verse for God so loved Martin Luther that he gave his only begotten son. Because I would always be wondering, is there another Martin Luther out there somewhere? For God so loved the world. Are you part of the world? I'm part of the world. Today, to you, what's the term? Savior. Now, this is a rather inconvenient term in our culture. Because what other word has to go with Savior? Sinner, doesn't it? You have to be saved from something. So in order to embrace the word Savior, you also need to embrace the word sinner. Today, to you, a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. I think a wonderful way perhaps we can close out this 2018, enter 2019 is with the song of the angels and embracing that today to us a savior. And let's use maybe the posture of these angels in the new year. The posture, again, if you think about it, what is the posture of the song of holy? Rend the heart. Break the heart. Like Isaiah, you say, Woe is me. And you bow the head. Does God leave you there? No. He sends another song. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. God and sinners reconciled. You bend the knee. You bend the knee and worship the king. And then in this new year, what do you get to do? Well, anyone who has bowed before this king and have received the forgiveness of sins, you bring a sacrifice, right? Sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving. You can declare worthy, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb who is slain. So let's work our way as a time of corporate confession through these words. I will say them, you ponder them, say them to be true of your life. I'll leave you some quiet moments after this to reflect on 2018 and ask for God's forgiveness in 2019. It begins this way, most merciful God, we gathered here, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We did say that, didn't we? The scripture says we are conceived and born in sin by nature, sinful and unclean. And we have sinned against you in many ways in thought, in word, Indeed, by what we have done, by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, and we justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, lead us, 
so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. You take some quiet moments, and then I'll announce to you the forgiveness of sins. called servant of Jesus Christ in his place by his command I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and now Lord Jesus we ask that you would remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.